When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Sean. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. How's it going with you? Good, good. Just here <laughs> good. At, at my place hanging out. Just trying to oh, nothing wrong know, with that. unwind for the rest of the day, you know? Oh, I understand, man. I understand how that goes. For sure. So I just want to say welcome to the show. Well, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Happy to Anytime. be here. I'm glad to have you on. Yeah, so... Just... Oh, go on. No, I was going to say, this is my uh, first podcast ever, so this is definitely a uh, bucket list moment, like I mentioned, so I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> oh, anytime, man, anytime. I'm glad I could actually make that check mark off your uh, bucket list for the podcast. For sure, for sure. <laughs> sure. And I'm just going to introduce you to the show, and then you can go on ahead and introduce yourself to everybody, and then after that, we'll go on ahead with the interview, and then we'll do some of our topics that we're going to do. Sounds good. All right. So... Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have Sean with me. Sean is actually an independent actor, and that's actually Sean James that I have on the show with me. So say hello to everyone, Sean. Hey, what's up, everybody? How we doing? All right. So explain every to everyone what you do and what kind of act. Sure. Well, uh, like John said, my name is Sean James, professionally. Uh, because of you know union purposes, known as Sean Alexander James, so uh, I'm an actor. I'm located out here in Los Angeles, California. I'm originally from uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. Born and raised, well, born in D.C., grew up in Maryland, and I've been out here since about 2015, just grinding, hustling away. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to do uh, some pretty decent-sized things. I've uh, done some co-stars on Stumptown, on ABC, The Morning Show, on Apple TV+. Plus. I uh, did uh, some unaired pilots for ABC as well with some uh, some great actors like Kat Dennings and uh, Angela Kinsey from The Office. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it was produced by, uh, uh, it was produced by uh, Justin Noble, who's involved with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, unfortunately, it never was picked up, but it was great to get involved in that project from the pilot aspect. Um, so they will do that. I did an international film, a sequel to like the top grossing film in the history of the country of Kazakhstan, like Borat's Kazakhstan. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, they came here to film their sequel, and I booked a supporting role in that. And that now overseas in Kazakhstan is the new number one movie ever, uh, surpassing the prior one. Um, so that was great. And uh, done commercials as well for, like, Career Builder, Google Pixel, uh, the Travel Channel for Man vs. Food. Biggest one I did was I did a Geico commercial, which was uh, out and about last summer. Um, I did it with a gentleman who's done some quite a few things on TV. Uh, if you remember a commercial where there was a guy in an office where he was buried up to, like, his neck in stress balls. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I was the guy in the, in the office buried in the stress balls. <laughs> so, that is great. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, uh, and, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, plugging along here. Uh, hopefully when uh, the industry or when Hollywood, quote-unquote, opens up sooner rather than later, hopefully, 
uh, get back to work on a few things that I projects that I had waiting for um, that are in the can right now, but hopefully we'll be up and running hopefully in a couple of months, I would assume sooner, like I said, rather than later. Um, and, uh, yeah, in the interim, I'm just, uh, you know, doing some classes, online workshops, you know, trying to meet with casting directors, staying in touch with my team, if you will, and just trying to stay fresh and stay ready, you know, so I never have to get ready as they say. And, exactly. uh, and, uh, you know, be able to hit the track running, once uh, the city opens up as far as the industry, which I think is going to be soon. I think right now it's a big deal as far as like the guidelines via SAG, AFTRA with uh, the health protocols and the guidelines in place. So I think hopefully, because they've been kind of dragging their feet a little bit, but hopefully they'll finalize that coming up very soon and we can get back to work and, and get back artists, get back to making art. So um that's kind of what i've been up to trying to stay sane during this whole pandemic craziness uh so far so good you know uh i never i never had a full deck of cards to begin with but the cards that i did have i still have that hand which is great so right. uh yeah that that's pretty much me in a nutshell all right well i'm first off i just want to say congratulations for your movie overseas i'm actually glad that it's doing well and being perceived well so i'm actually happy about that yeah thank you so much yeah you're, I've, you're very I've, welcome i've actually gotten recognized at my like survival job out here day job out i'm a server as most actors are so i work in a restaurant and, um there were people there from kazakhstan uh who recognized me from the movie because they just saw it and you know uh, we took pictures and stuff and gave them autographs. That was fun, getting recognized here for something over there by people from over there here. So that was cool. Um, so, yeah, it's been a great experience. Most definitely. I mean, yeah, you're not that known over there, but over here or anything like that right now. But it just has you just have a good feeling that you're doing something right because at least some people overseas are actually noticing you. So that's actually a plus. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So... My other thing, too, is, like, how long have you been doing acting? Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> There's so many answers I can give you for that. Um, as far as acting a fool or just, like, just playing, <laughs> uh, we could probably Could be a combination of everything. Combination of everything. <laughs> we could probably say since I was a kid, man. Okay. Like, uh, you know, some of my earliest memories in life were uh, in a movie theater, you know? Um and I remember seeing so many great movies when I was really young because my parents were those type of parents who they were like, well, just, you know, we'll just bring them with us. What's the worst that can happen? So, you know, I'm like 10, 10 or younger seeing, you know, Aliens and Terminator and Dracula <laughs> and Batmans with Michael Keaton and like all these like classic movies of like the last 30, 35 years and most of them I was nowhere near old enough to be in that theater, but I went anyways. And I think I really can't thank him enough for that. Cause I think that kind of helped foster the, uh, the love and the feeling that I get when I, uh, when I watch movies that I, that I thoroughly enjoy or TV shows that I thoroughly enjoy or that I find a connection with. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's been pretty much all my life. I think my earliest memory would be when I was around three or four, my parents took me to see that um, that film, that that uh, martial arts film that takes place in like Harlem, The Last Dragon. 
it was oh produced, okay it was produced by barry gordy from motown so like you had like the bruce leroy character who's like the young <laughs> black kid growing up in harlem studying martial arts but um it, it has a cult following in the community so but uh yeah i was like three or four years old and i remember i remember that movie i want to say it probably was like a uh, combination of what was going on in the movie and also probably the sensory overload from all the all the lights and the and the special effects and all that stuff but uh yeah uh I, i've had a love for that type of stuff there i watched pretty much every cartoon of the 80s growing up so that also um is a big thing as well knowing their theme songs as well too uh and uh yeah but it's uh, i've been acting a fool since uh you know growing up going to school um pretend like reenacting what I had just seen in a movie in class with other students. So I was that kid. Um, so that was, uh, it, it's been in me since I was young. Uh, my parents dropping me off at the movies before I could drive by myself to go to the <laughs> movie theater. Um, but I really didn't professionally, I really didn't like latch in and go for it full gusto. Uh, probably about 10 years ago, I would say 2000, well, not 10 years ago, 2010, 2011 is when I went forward. I went to like drama school and got trained and, and, you know, started working on any projects I could to get more experience and learn more. So the official answer would be end of 2010, beginning of 2011. The unofficial answer would be pretty much my entire life. I've been trying to play characters. So, yeah. I gotcha. You see, I'm like that though too. Like I grew up on the old '80s cartoons, like The Masters of the Universe, Scooby oh, yeah. Doo, Flintstones. For, right, for exactly. Sure. Yeah. And uh, also too, I was also in the movie theaters as well as a kid. And the very first movie I saw was the very first Batman with Michael Keaton, which is the 1989 Batman. Oh yes, hundred percent. He's my favorite Batman, and uh, mine too. And that movie specifically was a very landmark movie in my life. That's when um, it really latched on to me how much uh, I got the feeling. Like I can't really describe the feeling, but people who love movies and love like acting and just and just creating art and those type of things. They they have those feelings that they get when they see something happening, which they can't describe, but it makes them want to see more of that and potentially do that. And that movie was a big, big moment for me. I saw it multiple times in the theater. I had the old school VHS with the all black box with the yellow black logo on it. You know, um, I was reenacting all the fight scenes and, and the dialogue <laughs> and the choreography. And, uh, yeah, um, that changed it for me. That, like, I, I took a left turn there, and I was like, oh, wow, yeah, this is, uh, this, is, this is my happy place. This is where I feel at zen. This is where, like, I, just, I get these feelings that I can't describe. And, um, and, yeah, so that movie was very big for me, too, for sure. I, that's great though man like for another thing too is i'm i was always about interacting as well like re, uh, doing the fight choreographies as well as doing voices and things like that so i've like when i was growing up and everything i wanted to be an actor that was one of the things I've, that i wanted to do but then i'm like i started reviewing movies and stuff like that like yeah. at a younger age and my aunt's like 
you know what, you're going to be a movie reviewer someday. I'm like, well, how the hell am I going to do that? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) It's like, I live in a small town. I don't live in, like, Hollywood or anything like that. And now here I am a couple of years later, you know, many years later, actually. But, you know, I'm doing what I love doing, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But, you know. But another thing, too, I was wondering was, like, what got, well, we already covered pretty much what you got you into acting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everything. So, my other thing was this: What was it uh, like auditioning for certain TV shows or movies? Man, it was a trip. Cause uh, growing up, you don't think that doing that stuff is possible, um, especially if you're interested in being. It's it's like it's like there's a line, like there's a like a definitive line, like in the sand. On one side are the people who sit there and soak up all this entertainment, all this, uh, this, this, you know, this, this land of make-believe that makes people feel all these great feelings and feel that they can, you know, do things that they normally wouldn't be able to do. And then on the other side, you have the people who are responsible for that. And, you know, if you want to, and the idea of being crossing that line in the sand and being that person who's responsible for, affecting children like me and just millions of people across the world, you just don't think that's possible for someone who's quote-unquote normal. And the more you realize, the more you get involved in the industry, you realize that it's just full of normal people who worked hard, never gave up, got opportunities, and was able to capitalize on opportunities that were given to cross the line and be able to affect people like I was affected. So in auditioning and the more auditions that you get and seeing people that you watch on TV growing up or that you've always wanted to work with or that made you feel a certain way or that you, you know, might've had a crush on or whatever it may be (laughs) to, to see them, you know, in the room pursuing what they wanted, still growing after it and you're trying to do it, but they already have a leg up on you on what they've done, but they're still, trying to go for that for the gold just like you are um right it it, it really it really helps lose that air of um that air of uh what's the word like that air of uh elusivity if you will like it's only right. exclusive to people certain type of people can only do this and they have to be blessed to be able to do that you know anybody can do it you just right because that's our the work in. yeah uh, you got to put the work in and so auditioning, the more you audition, the more you realize this. Um, at first, it's very much like, oh, my God, this is a project with so-and-so and like this, that, and the other. And I get to work with this person. And I'm like, oh, my God, I watched them on TV. They're like my favorite this, that, and the other. Um, but after a while, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Well, this is going to be a great opportunity, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to probably have to take a second, uh, you know, but when it comes down to it, they're just normal people who like to play make-believe for a living, just like I do, or, or aspire to do. And they, uh, and they're still going forward, despite all their successes, you know? Um, and, right. uh, auditioning, the more you audition, the more it becomes a very normalized, like, routine thing that you do. Um, the, the, as an actor, the more you're in this industry and pursuing success in this industry, the more you get desensitized to people who have achieved the success that you're looking for. 
because you might run into those people in the same auditions or you might run into them on set and get to work with them and you just realize like, wow, um, I'm no different than them. You know, they're a normal person. They're not, they don't have like some magical power which makes them, you know, affords them these opportunities. Just, I can just work as hard as them. I can put in the time that they do. I can get, I will get opportunities one day, hopefully that they got. And I hopefully will be prepared enough to see those opportunities. And Most definitely. I can be, and I myself can be in that position. So really, the more auditioning for major projects are like not the, you know, lower, not the lower on the totem pole projects, like the major projects you would see on TV and in the movie theaters right now, or should I say on demand right now, because we're not in movie theaters. Um, right. You, the more you audition for that stuff, the more you realize like, wow, I'm in the same room with these people. They see something potentially in me that can help what they want to do better, which puts me on the same level as these other people. So it just comes down to do they do they love my interpretation of this character? Do they love what I bring to the table? Do they want to give me this opportunity? If they don't, that's fine. I still establish a relationship. Maybe something can benefit from that down the road. Uh, but that doesn't mean the next opportunity I can't I can't uh, I can't capitalize on the opportunity to actually get the part. And oh, that, sure. that doesn't mean that I won't be able to work with these people in another situation, another shape, form, or fashion. Um, it really just normalizes it's like, wow, they've chosen you. Like, it comes down to everybody who's chosen to audition, who's been whittled down to the, to the select few, who've been fortunate enough to be cast. You have been chosen from that pool of people for a reason. You are no different from the other people who are already in the project. They feel just like the number one on the call sheet that you can potentially help this project be the best that it can be. So okay. as a result of having that mindset, you get out of the whole like that line in the sand metaphor where I'm over here, I can never cross this line and be the be like the 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 Greek gods that I see on the screen, this big screen every weekend, you know, in front of that who's showcasing this whole thing in front of thousands of people, millions of people. And uh the more you audition, the more I've auditioned, the more I've been like, you know what? I can I can get up there, you know. I've had opportunities. I can get there. It's just a matter of time, you know. Playing the long game, if you exactly. will. So right. That's how I feel about auditioning. I mean, of course, you want to get to the point where you don't have to audition. I would love to just be offered things. I, in my little time here, on very very smaller scale, I have been offered things, and it's great. I can only imagine how it is at that level. But uh, also auditioning is, I think, a great way to show that you really want something. Like Right, it shows your passion. It shows you have passion. It shows that you just don't want to be handed anything, that you're willing to work for something. And if it's a character or a role or a project that you want to be associated with that you believe in, you want to show that you're passionate about it that much more and want to you know, audition and things like that. Um, so... I feel that once you when you start auditioning, when you get those first couple of noteworthy auditions, like I know I did, I was like, oh my God, this is for, if I book this, oh my God. But after you get a couple of those and you probably will hear no more so than yes, 
uh, and you see the same people in the room. You see people who have been on TV and have extensive resumes, but still are coming into that audition room, sitting with all those other people, waiting to read for this role. You're like, wow, they're just like me. It really normalizes things. It, it takes right. it from it takes it from this air of invincibility, like these people are like the Greek gods on Mount Olympus, and then we're the peons and the humans down below. It gets rid right. of that dynamic, I would say. That's actually pretty cool, though. I mean, how you actually think about how normalization it is for you to actually work some of the greatest actors or actresses that you ever wanted to meet. And also, yeah. too, I know at that point in time, too, you're like, okay, I'm fanboying, but at the same time is I need to put that aside yeah. and focus on what I need to focus on because this is going to be my co-star. This is someone that I'm going to be like a co-worker. I have yeah. to put aside my whole entire fanboy and actually act. So, 100%. and another thing though, too, is I love what you said about success and everything. I actually have a little quote that I actually use to actually help me be able to do what I do every single day whenever I'm doing either I'm at my work or if I'm just doing my podcast. I always say this success isn't owned, it's leased, and rent is due every day. Yeah, I would and, agree with that. Yeah. And that just gives me the motivation to be able to do what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But, uh, but you know, it just goes to show you that, you know, maybe some of the greatest actors can actually give you advice along the way as well on what you can do to do better and everything like you mentioned. And oh, that's always sure. a plus. Oh, you for know? sure. Um, you, can all, you, uh, you always are learning. Every day you're learning something. Uh, you never are a master of anything, I don't believe. Like, the moment you think that you know everything, that's when the the fall happens, I feel. You know? Um, you just, you're always learning. You're always growing. You're always evolving. And you can never know too much. I feel like you should always be in a per- perpetual state of being a sponge. You know? And just soak up as much as you can. Because it'll just add to the... It'll just add to your toolbox. And you'll just be a more seasoned person, let alone performer, by doing that, you know? Most definitely. Most definitely. And I know that you want to do more voice acting and stuff like that. I know that you watched a lot of animated shows, stuff like that. Does that have anything to do with you wanting to do voice acting, or is it just anything that you can grab right now and everything, and that's what you want to do? Well, the... the, the... The main impetus for me to do voice acting is my voice. Um, since I could rem- since I've hit maturity and my voice became like my adult voice, everybody has been like always been mentioning how man you got a you got a nice sounding voice you got a good voice you should look into you know doing radio or or something with that and it and it, like it happened so often I was like you know what I do not have I have I have a voice that isn't bad. I should probably look into what they're saying. You know, especially after you hear yourself talk and you hear yourself emote and different things. You're like, oh, wow. That does actually sound pretty good. Um, So as a result of that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to look. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And I, the more I looked into the actual process of doing voiceovers and, and what it involves and you know, the, the, all the sheer volume of the stuff that you could do with your voice, whether it be voicing over, uh, obviously cartoons is a big one for me, obviously, growing up. So cartoons, animated films, video games, commercials, 
audio books. It doesn't even really matter. You can do so many. There's so many possibilities, I think, even more than on camera with your voice that you can do. I was like, wow, I definitely need to. And, and, and there's honestly, I feel a better opportunity for you to get more work doing voiceover work. So as a result, I was like, I need to get knee deep into this. I need to capitalize on this while I still have this voice that I have. So um, as a result, I went into it full force, went into a voiceover class. I'm currently in the process now of getting my demo reel done for voiceovers. I'll look into representation from that. I have a few connections uh, currently with that, with my current agent and things like that. So uh, it's definitely something I want to do. And, and more and more... Um, because it's like growing up, you love all these cartoons like we did, and those voices are iconic. You always mimic those voices, but the older you get, the more you realize, like, wow, how cool it would have been to been able to do that voice for that kid at home who loves that cartoon. So as a result, I'm like, I would like to do that as well. Same thing with seeing characters, which gave me that feeling in a movie or a TV show. Um, so. Yeah, uh, it definitely is something that I want to do very much. I would love to do it as often as I can and something that I'm working towards right now. And uh, yeah, it just all started for me just having the voice that I have. It's very uh, it's very distinct from what I've been told. And everybody always says something about it. I'm like, one person saying it, okay, that's just one person's opinion. But, you know, when everybody tells you something, you're like, I might right. want to pay attention to this. And then I started listening to myself. I'm like, you know what? They might be on to something. I think I should explore this further. So that's where the whole uh, interest in voiceovers comes from, for sure. Right. And you know what? I actually had that happen to me, too, though. Like, I was like, well, you have a good radio voice. And I had, like, maybe maybe one, maybe two people. Then after that, I had some more people that would tell me that. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm insecure about my voice and everything. I don't know if that's actually true or not. Yeah. So then I did a couple of, of course, I did like a DJ on an internet radio show and stuff like that. And then, you know, I started doing my podcast and everything and I started listening to myself. I'm like, okay, they're, they're, they're right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. But uh, another thing though, too, is, I mean, I love what you said about the audiobook thing. I would actually listen to, I would actually listen to you. To be honest with you, I can oh. actually listen to you tell a story. To be honest, oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime. You're very welcome. And I'm just being honest here because I've listened to audiobooks before, and depending on who it is or whatever, they're not. They don't keep me keep my attention. But with you though, I can feel your passion in your voice in itself to, to the point where I can actually say that you would actually be fantastic for an audiobook. Well, let's get on the phone with some audiobook casting directors and get this going. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I would would love that. Yeah, that'd be great. That would be really awesome. You know know what's funny, though? I actually listened to an audiobook that the actor from Dexter actually did. I forgot what book it was, but he did like a Stephen King audiobook. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I was like... Oh, go on. No, I say I love Dexter and I love his voice, so I, I would love to hear that. If I, I'll tell you what, if I can Google that and find out what, what book it is, I'll give you the link for that. Oh, that would be great, man. I appreciate right. that. Anytime. 
So another thing too is I know that you love video games and stuff like that, just like I do. But what got you involved into this virtual rea- uh, reality game for Summer of Sam? Is it is it the whole entire thing about it being based off of a true crime type of deal where it was about Summer of Sam? Because I know that I was obsessed with different serial killers at one time where I was like, okay, what made them want to do this, go on to this level, to the point where I was actually watching Summer of Sam one time with John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, For me, that opportunity was just a chance to do something that I that was different and something that I had never even thought of before because it was something that I did during, you know, the current the current uh, pandemic and lockdown. And I was like, okay, escape rooms. I've done escape rooms before. I've pr- pretty much a lot of people that you know, if not yourself, have done escape rooms. But they actually had the idea, this company, uh, Terror DTLA for downtown Los Angeles, um, they had the idea of doing a virtual escape room for people during the pandemic. And I was like, I've never even heard of that. I, I, I would have no idea how that would work. But I'm interested. Color me interested. So they were... Um, auditioning actors to uh, do a Summer of Sam themed escape room around the plot and the whole original story of that whole you know thing that happened with Summer of Sam, with the Summer of Sam in the 70s in New York. And uh, they were auditioning for characters. They were auditioning for the lead detective. And I immediately went to like uh, True Detective. Which I loved. And I was like, ooh, this could be my chance to be like this hardened, seasoned, like, you know, uh, emotionless detective. I've, I've never have had the opportunity to do that, like, in a major project before. This could be a chance to diversify the portfolio. So I auditioned and it uh, worked out well. I was able to shoot everything in my place. Um, and it was crazy how they interspliced people shooting from their house um, with, like, dimly lit rooms and you know costumes and splicing in people shooting um in isolation with the actual escape room and you do it from like the click of your mouse with your computer and i was like man normally you need to get physical with escape rooms like move around and like the whole the whole fun and suspense and the the terror you might feel of being in there with the actor playing this like creepy character and things like that trying to get you quote unquote but Man, the idea of like this intricate project where you can, in the privacy of your own home, click on something and still do that is through the medium of a computer, it's not in person, but with the actors there, like recording this footage, which is really hardened footage, um, and you know, just showcasing all the emotion and everything that you would get if you were in an actual physical escape room. I just thought it was revolutionary. And I just, I was, I was hooked with the idea. And I was so happy that they wanted me involved in the project. And uh, I've had a couple of friends back home who played the game and thought it was really awesome. And uh, yeah, I, I just thought it was a great revolutionary idea and not something that I ever heard of before. I love it when people do stuff that you don't really think about. Like what, wow, that's different. Would it work? Maybe. Okay. Let's give it a shot. You know? So I love that. Right, I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. And right. uh, that's what drew me to it was just a chance to do something different and a chance to do something that, you know, selfishly I wanted to do and play a character that I uh, haven't had a chance to play yet that might, quote unquote, go against type for me in Hollywood currently. 
Um, so it was just a chance to spread my wings a little bit, and I, I very much relish opportunity. And also the creative aspect of me having to record myself and do all the directing and the editing and everything myself for the most part. Um, it's just, you know, again, adding tools to the toolbox, being, right. a spurn, being a sponge, learning things, you know, so learning. Right, because at that, right, because at that point you're learning editing, you're learning production, you're also yeah. learning to be a director. Yeah. So that's actually pretty cool that you actually learned those three keys to put in your toolbox. 100%. Um, I did, I didn't do, I didn't go heavy into like the editing and things like that. I did some of that. They pretty much edited together to put it into the game that people could pay to, you know, do the escape room on their computers or phones or whatever. Uh, but uh, I learned so much from doing it, and I got to play a character that I've wanted to play for a while, you know? Like my, like I said, my true detective character, my, my uh, you know, Russ Cole, Matthew McConaughey character. <laughs> um, and just, you know, it was, it was just great. It was just an opportunity to do something different, do something different that I've always wanted to do in, like, an entirely fresh medium, uh, something that I hope would, you know broaden in the future i think you know that's something very cutting edge that would be really cool to do you know you don't have to worry about especially in situations where you can't you like you want to do like some bonding experience with friends and you all can't just get your schedules together to meet up and if you know you want to all get together online do like an escape escape or virtual escape rooms like you know everybody get on xbox live and like playing a game together or something like that if everybody was gamers so it's just another way to, you know, for friends to get involved and people to experience, you know, social gatherings where you can do fun stuff and, you know, uh, see some see some good performances. So it was fun. That's fantastic, man. Um, yeah. Another thing, too, is I know that you played in that ABC show that you mentioned. Uh, how many yeah. seasons did that last or anything like that? I know there was like a little bit part that you actually did. But, you know, what uh, what was that like? Oh, that was great. Um, so I shot, uh, it's the show Stumptown on um, ABC. It stars uh, Kobe Smulders from uh, How I Met Your Mother. And, uh, she played Maria Hill in The Avengers. Um, Jake Johnson from New Girl. Michael Ely from like, uh, from uh, the, he was in the last season of The Following and different shows like that. Actually, another PG County kid like myself. But, um, yeah, I shot one episode. I just had a, like a little small co-star as like a security guard who kicks uh, Kobe Smolder's character out of a bar because she tries to get in with a fake ID. So um, it was just a really small character, but it was a great experience being on location at like a uh, down in Pasadena where they blocked off the street. The cop, they had the cops block off the street, stop traffic. Um, you know, they had a stunt woman involved and then they had to get involved there with Kobe, get to know her a little bit, you know, actually go through this little mini stunt with her, pushing her out of the bar. Um, <laughs> it was it was just a great experience. Again, it's just like, you know, just being in this situation where you're like, oh my God, like these things, I just, I see, I, see, I saw these things on TV growing up and it's like, man, it would have been so awesome to do that. And now you're actually here doing it. Uh, you got to control the fanboy because you got a job to do, but still there's that fanboy on the inside, which is just giddy, you know, right. so that was great. Um, but the show, I think, I believe got renewed for a second season. So that was That's awesome. awesome. It was a great experience. Um, Kobe was really nice, introduced herself, super sweet. Uh, she also mentioned how she saw my audition tape and loved it. I was like, That's awesome. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was a great experience. And then the morning show was great, too. Because the morning show actually uh, shot for two different episodes. Uh, again, a little small co-star, which can potentially grow into bigger, a bigger thing because I play the... Uh, the the front desk security the main front desk security guard for the show on like their okay. uh, uh they have like a floor dedicated to their show in the building of the network and i play like the one of the main front desk security guys so i shot two episodes i shot one episode i had a scene with reese witherspoon so oh, that was sweet. crazy and then <laughs> i had another episode where i had a scene with steve carell uh they cut the scene i with love reese. steve yeah he's great <laughs> They cut the scene with uh, Reese. It was like a really small, quick scene. But the one with Steve was more involved, intricate to kind of the plot of the episode. And so they kept that in. And uh, that was amazing. That still now is obviously on Apple TV+. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was crazy. And being on set that day, too, because um, his character on the show was his birthday. And so they had a surprise for him. So they had Martin Short as the... Uh, surprise like like a do a surprise like song and dance for him with rocket s characters and obviously jennifer aniston's there and just the main cast and like uh, mark duplass and 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 billy crudup and and like actors like i've seen on tv for forever like uh it just was, i'm like am i in the right room like am i supposed to be <laughs> here as it was, it was right. crazy it was a crazy experience again the fanboy was just like oh my god you know, and what's right. crazy. It's that, right. It's no. that cannibalization of you realizing this is happening. Like, this is actually happening. Like, there right. is no line in the sand. Like, I I went to put the work in to try and get here, and you know what? It's actually happening. This can actually happen to people. It normalizes it a little bit. You still have your fanboy moments because you're working with people who were, like, you held on, like, this pedestal of, like, this superhero but you realize wow i could i actually could do this and i am doing this so that was a that was an eye-opening experience and then the director was great her name was michelle mclaren she's done a lot of breaking bad and game of thrones and stuff i think she uh just got i forget what network but she i think just got greenlit for a show that she wants to produce um, and direct. So she was great. She loved, she gave me compliments and Steve gave me compliments. And it was just, I was like, wow, it's just, I take the signs. I, I don't take these, these little things for granted. Like I view them as signs that I'm going in the right direction and right. that I need to continue doing this. Like when, when a well-known director tells you, man, you're pretty good. When someone of the caliber of a Steve Carell says you're pretty good. When all these people who like, you know, know what they're doing and have resumes and experience that dwarfs you. And they say, you know, kid, you're pretty good. I mean, it, 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 all you, that's sometimes all you need to, to keep going forward and to push even harder, you know, someone to just give you that nudge of confidence. It like lights a spark. It lights a spark. And then you take that spark and you just straight run with it, you know? So those are great. Yeah, that's what I was about to mention, too, is, like, that, that energy, that spark that makes you just want to go on ahead, go full throttle, and not slow down, and just yeah. keep going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, another thing, too, is what was your some of your biggest inspirations? Oh, man. What movie uh, is one of those biggest inspirations for you? Like I mentioned, definitely Batman, the first one with Michael Keaton, for sure. Um, 
Batman Returns. Danny DeVito scared the bejesus out of me as the <laughs> Penguin. Uh, his performance was amazing. Um, let's see. Big superhero guy. Uh, love all the superhero stuff. If we're, if we're talking, like, actors specifically, obviously, you know, Denzel Washington, Forrest Whitaker, mm-hmm. you know, Lawrence Fishburne, John Goodman, Philip Seymour Hoffman, those type of guys. Most definitely. Yeah. Those guys are just fantastic. And let me tell you a little fun fact. I remember when Seymour Hoffman was actually rumored to be Penguin at one time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I want to say that was early 2000s when he was still alive. Uh And they were thinking about rebooting Batman at one time. Uh Uh-huh. Like, it was like after the Christopher Nolan's universe was done, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to try, yeah, they wanted to try and reboot it. And I'm like, he would be awesome as Penguin, I thought. You know? He would have killed it. He, he was but, one of the best ever. He would have killed it. Because, you know, Oswald Coffeypot is a lawyer-type penguin. Yeah. And just his dialogue, the way he flowed, the way the energy is, I could definitely see him being that character. Oh, for sure. Man, that would have been so good. <laughs> <laughs> it would. It would be. It yeah. would. And then, of course, Denzel. You can't go wrong with Denzel or anything like yeah. that. Training day, you know... I, yeah. I mean, it. the list just it, goes on. <laughs> I mean, with him, it's like, he could do a movie that might not overall be a good movie, but it wasn't his fault that it wasn't a good movie, if that makes any right. sense. Yeah. Like, Out of Time, that was a, that was a uh, movie that was, like, straight to DVD. Yeah. And it, and that movie was fantastic. It had yeah. him and Dean Cain in it. <laughs> yeah, so it's Denzel. It's like, he, he will not be the reason that your movie is crap. Like, he will... He, if it's crap, there's a litany of reasons he will not be one of those for sure. Exactly. But uh, but um, yeah, but uh, yeah, he's obviously the goat. So it's like he's one of the goats. But um, I gravitate more towards like the character actors who kind of aren't the typical leading have the typical leading man looks. You know what I mean? Don't fit that mold. You know, because um, that's the type of mold that I'm in. That's the type. Of, that's the type of. Uh, that's the type of actor I would describe myself as or the group that I'm in. And they're my favorites because, okay. uh, you know, the leading man is leading man. He sells the movie. He gets the t- he sells the tickets. He gets the butts in the seats. But as far as, like, the actual story and driving that home and, like, the act- what makes a movie good, I think, is the other supporting actors and their stories involved in the project. You know what I mean? Because they, they have more room to, to do things. Um, as far as their character is concerned, because they're not stuck with the rigid, you know, rules that the leading man who's on the poster has to have. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like going up with the heavyweight, and you're kind of like the amateur fighter, and yeah. you're trying to go up on that level where the top fighter is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're going to have a lot more to do than someone who's been you've been training pretty much all your life, and then here's the heavyweight. Uh, fighter and everything that doesn't really have to do much training or anything like that he's just there and whenever that time it comes to actually be on top that's yeah. when that's when you know that you've done it yeah yeah the so, uh, the, le- the leading man is kind of like a prize fighter you just call on him for the big money fights the guys who like are there uh weekend week out you know fighting anyone the workhorses those are like the supporting actors so like yeah, like a Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then when they're given opportunities to shine in the leading man role, you get something like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Capote, you know, or something like that. Right. Or 
or Forrest Whitaker in Last King of Scotland or something like that. They shine because they're so rooted in the in the other aspect, not the prize fighter, more of the every the working man, the everyday guy, you know. Right. Um, another example would be like a Wendell Pierce. He was on the off. He was on the wire. He's in uh, Jack Jack Ryan with uh, John Krasinski. You know, um, right. those type of actors. You know, and uh, they're my inspirations, really. Um, those who who work all the time get to do various different things. You know, John Goodman. I mean, he can go from Roseanne to uh, the head of the CIA and Atomic Blonde to his role in Big Lebowski to, uh, I mean, you name it. To the like, right now, the Righteous Gemstones go back to Roseanne. Like, he just is a chameleon in everything that he does. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Well, I think that you're going to do it, though, man. I really do. I think that you're actually. I, I wish a lot of success for you. I'll tell you that. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. You're I'm. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a a good go. You know, I'm gonna give it everything I got. So we'll see we'll see where we'll see where the cards lay out. We'll see what happens. But definitely can't uh, you definitely can't say you worked hard enough. There's no such thing as like a limit on the work that you put in. So that's a mindset right. that I'll have. Most definitely. And I was just wondering too, what actor would you like to work with in the future? Oh man. Um Ooh, that's a good one. Uh I would love to work with uh if I had like if anybody? Um Yeah. Hmm. I would love to work with actress too. Okay. Um I would love to work with uh Gary Oldman. I would love to work <laughs> with obviously, you know, the Forrest Whitakers and the Lawrence Fishburns. I'd love to work with Denzel. <laughs> obviously right. those those are the go to's. The lesser-known guys, I would say, um, you know, uh, wow, that's a really good question. Obviously, uh, obviously, Kerry Washington, you know, um, I would love to work with uh, uh, Jody Comer from Killing Eve, Tatiana Maslany, um, Chris Chalk is a great actor, too, uh, yeah, there's there's a few. This, those are some of the ones right. I can name. I just think about that board. There's so many great like young actors. Oh, um, Noel Fisher. He was on the show Shameless. I don't okay, know I know Shameless. who you're talking about. Yeah, he plays uh, Mickey Milkovich. He's fantastic, in my opinion. I would love to work with him. Um, yeah, I, I I would love. There's so many people. <laughs> there's so many people. <laughs> All right. Uh, what genre do you want to work on? I mean, which one actually stands out to, the most to you? Is it comedy, action, drama, comedy, or just anything that you can grab? Right now, uh, we're kind of in the phase of uh, "Please, sir, I want some more." As far as you take what you can get, <laughs> you know. Right. I'm still, I'm, <laughs> I'm still on my climb, uh, but ultimately, I would love to break type and do things that people wouldn't expect me to do. Um, I. I'm a fan of doing, I'm a fan, like Samuel L. Jackson, he's another one actually as well. I'm a fan of doing, he's a fan of doing projects that he would like to go see himself in the movies. So whether, you know, box office returns or regardless, do something that he would like to see. And I feel kind of the same way in that. Hmm. I just want to do something that I see 
and it gives me that feeling that I got when I was a kid and that feeling that I'm assuming other people would get when they go to the movies, some younger, okay. some older, things like that. So um, uh, my, my, the, the, bucket, the, the ultimate fantasy genre that I would want to do, like if I had one genre to do and that would be it, it would definitely be the superhero genre. Um, I would, I would, I would go more for TV superhero drama because those are more complex and involved, like uh, you know, the boys on Amazon Prime right. or any of the Marvel shows on Netflix or you know, the Umbrella um, Academy, which I just finished watching the second season and something like you that. See, so that, I, yeah. You see, I'm actually watching the first season of the Umbrella Academy, so I'm actually watching the first season for the very first time. It's great. I'm loving it. I'm lo- I'm on the fourth episode. I'm loving it, and everything. As a matter of fact, I was going to ask you if you wanted if you were leaning more towards something like the boys or something around that end. So I'm glad that you actually answered that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, Umbrella Academy is amazing. The the I love I love the superhero shows and projects that aren't your atypical superhero shows and projects. You know what I mean? Like if you right. watch a Captain America movie, you know kind of what Cap is going to do. If you watch a Thor or what or an Iron Man movie, you know kind of what they're going to do. If you watch a show called The Boys, where the superheroes actually are like the Kardashians, or <laughs> you know, or they're just like, or not even the Kardashians, they're just like horrible people who have gotten fame, and like you have normal people who are trying to take down these people, and how that ties into like our society today, and it's just. Like those type of like revolutionary ideas, but oh by the way, they're superheroes, kinda like Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. You could there's so many T V dramas about dysfunctional families and all these problems that have never been solved or just like kind of like are unsettled. They take that, but they're also superheroes. So that uh that original aspect of that is something that I like about the 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 takes on like a lot of the T V superhero shows, you know what I mean? The less formulaic right. uh, superheroes, most definitely. But I wouldn't say, but and, I wouldn't say no to mm. those formulaic superheroes. Like if I got cast in like a Marvel, like those are my dream projects, like ultimate dream projects. So if they're listening, I really hope that they uh, look at my, talk to my people, have my people call their people, you know, and uh, I, I would love that. But if I had my druthers, it would definitely be something in the something that I could like do, which would just go against the norm of your atypical good versus bad superhero archetype, you know? Right. I wouldn't mind seeing you send something like that, you know, to be honest with yeah. you. And I could actually see you in like a, maybe a DC universe, maybe a detective kind of vibe as well. Yeah, for sure. I would, al- you know? I would also be open to like wearing a whole bunch of prosthetics, like being like, you know, Kilowog in, in, in Green Lantern Corps or something like that, you know? Right. Um, that... Well, you never know. I mean, they're actually doing an HBO Max show for Green Lantern, and they're doing a Gotham City uh, uh, TV show, though, too, like a detective series. Oh, yeah. So you never, you never know. know. My team, quote-unquote, as well, also knows to uh, that that's my that's my end game. <laughs> if I can reference, obviously, Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Uh, that's my end game, and that, you know, I, that's what I want to do. So it's definitely out there that I'm a, I'm a nut for superhero stuff, and... Uh, I would just, that would just be the dream if I was able to do that. Um, and uh, thankfully, we're in a time in Hollywood where there's more inclusivity. You know, there's more in front of the camera, behind the camera. Um, there are more 
opportunities to do these shows with different characters that aren't your typical blonde hair, blue eyes, muscular Steve Rogers look. You know what I mean? So right. there's more, there's growing more opportunity for me to make this a reality. And um, I hopefully can make it a reality. I hope that you can do too, man. I, I, I have ho- high hopes for you. Thanks, brother. You're welcome anytime. And another thing too is, you know, I can actually see you too probably work for like Jordan Peele as well. Because you know, Jordan Peele is amazing. Um, if we're, he if is. We're ta- he, I'll be honest with you. If we're talking directors or actors or directors or writers that I wouldn't work with, he's definitely on the top of the list because he just makes you think so much in everything that he does. There's so many different meanings and just like underlying underlying text and just it just blows my mind. You get, I can have, I when it comes to Get Out and Us, I could literally sit through a class like a college course on both movies and still not feel that i've i've discussed or talked about everything that i want to talk about um that's how detailed he is and i love that level of detail um it just bothers me when i see projects where um i have to ask questions as to well how did that person do that get to that point and do that and and how do they get there and, and what what was the method to getting there and how do they progress to there? You know what I mean? So um, it's, I I love it when someone's just so detailed and you could, and they answer every question that you might have before you even ask it. And I feel like Jordan Peele does a lot of that. Um, And it's just, it would be a dream to work with him. Most definitely. And his writing is just smart. I love his writing. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, it's, um, no, go on ahead. No, I was going to say that. Yeah, you're good. Okay. But, so, uh, one last question. Yeah. Are you currently working on anything new right now at the moment? I'm not currently. I know that. Oh, sorry. You're good. Go I'm not currently working on anything new. I had a project or so that was uh, kind of ready to rock and roll uh, before uh, COVID shutdown happened. Um, we're talking like I was supposed to shoot something I want to say not even two weeks before the shutdown happened back on St. Patty's Day. So that sucked. But um, the good news is that, you know, Hollywood will be up and running again. And uh, hopefully I will get back to that project if they decide to, like, not cut me out. But uh, um, there's that. Other than that, I'm not really working on anything. Um, I've been auditioning. I've still been auditioning for stuff, which is great. As far as, like, uh, you know, classes and workshops and things like that, I've been just as busy through the lockdown as I was before, if not more, because I don't have to worry about money thanks to unemployment. Um, so I've been able to dedicate even more time to my craft. And as a result, I've right. been, excuse me, I've been so busy. Um, uh, right now, I'm actually, I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, apply for and get accepted into like a master class taught by Kathleen Turner. Um, so oh. that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, dude. That that's really awesome that you were able to actually get an acting class through her. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. Yeah, you know, I'm not even a part of that class. That makes me giggity over. Yeah, it's just <laughs> you like, know? as soon as I as soon as I saw that acceptance email, I was like, oh my god, this is is because young me like loved Kathleen Turner from like Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile and War of the Roses and Serial Mom and all these movies. And right. It's like, oh my god, I get to sit under her learning tree because she's you know. She's a very studied, like, 
like traditionally trained theater actor. And I was like, man. Right. And today was the first day of class. It's only three. It's only three classes, like in a week span. Today was the first day. And okay. We we did monologues and stuff, and just hearing her talk and how she breaks down work and her and her method is just ah, it's so eye opening. So that's been great. And just being able to sit in front of cast and directors as well for a lot of like workshops with actors where they get to do some uh, some material and things like that to hopefully get on their radar. So that's been my right. that's been my focus to like try and learn from the best people and try and get in front of the people who give you the best opportunity to, you know, get cast in projects. And that would be the casting directors. So I've right. been focusing on those big things and my agents have been getting me auditions for things and I've been fortunate enough to still audition for things and do stuff at, and learn how to do stuff on my own at home. Again, with like learning the skills for the toolbox. Like I got a ring light and I got a setup and a backdrop to shoot audition tapes at my house and and uh, and things like that. So it's been a very rewarding experience as far as uh, growing as a performer and someone in the industry um, during lockdown. And so that's kind of what I've been up to uh, this these last couple of months. Okay. And I just want to say this. Serial Mom is the most underrated film that you can actually think of. <laughs> and I'm actually glad that you actually know what Serial Mom is. Yeah, so, of course. I've actually... So. You know, um, so we're now going to go into our movie news segment. Sure. So I'm a big sweaty. And when I'm big sweaty, I'm big sweaty of comic books. Yeah. And everything. That's what I call myself. And matter of fact, whenever I go out and see a certain comic book film, I'll put on my thing when I'm checking into the movie theater. I'm like, I'm getting sweaty right now. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I actually use that uh, quote from John Schnepp who was a big, sweaty comic book nerd, God bless his soul, he actually he passed away a couple of years back. But I still use that today because I love the word sweaty. And everyone was like, can you please not use that word? I said, what? I like being sweaty. I want to be sweaty with you. I want to be in this comic book world. <laughs> so <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, man. Um, so, Perry Jenkins says that she might be leaving Wonder Woman after the third film. What do you think about that? Man, I would love to see what direction she would go. I mean, I would love to see what direction Wonder Woman would go in if they're going to go past the third film. Because I thought, because first off, I think Patty Jenkins outside of Wonder Woman is an amazing filmmaker mm -hmm. um, from Monster and just some other projects mm -hmm. that she's done. And I think she still will do various projects of, you know, different uh, genres. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of her baby, you know? I would say Wonder Woman, uh, the intellectual property that is the movies is her baby um and i love the first wonder woman it was amazing i can't wait for wonder woman 80 1984 that'll just bring back so many memories from my childhood um and uh yeah i just i don't know how it would go i would assume that she would be smart and um because she is very smart obviously how sure. she, i believe that she would have like a quote-unquote succession plan as far as who will Helm the charge with Wonder Woman going forward. If they decide, if DC and Warner Brothers decides to do, you know, more projects after that third movie that she signed for, I guess she signed for. Um, so I think that they, she'll be smart about that and handing off the baton to someone else. So um, yeah, I mean, I, it's just I just can't see her not being involved in anything related to Wonder Woman, like for the rest of. Wonder Woman being in the movies, you know what I mean? Because 
right. again, she's so hands-on and she was so, and it was so good. And I have hope, high hopes for uh, the sequel and just her vision and her empowering of women. This has been beautiful to see and how hands-on she is, you know? Most definitely. So, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I can see getting tired of playing, of doing the same thing over and over again, you know, and, right. and, uh, definitely, but, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to see. I would hope that, and I think that she would have like a contingency plan as far as, you know, who will take over when she's done, you know? Right. And that's another thing too, that I'm thinking to myself as well, because I don't want her to get fatigued of doing the same franchise over and over again, because we've seen that a lot with directors. Yeah. With, after a while, they get fatigued. We saw that with Christopher Nolan with the last Dark Knight movie. Yeah. He got fatigued of the franchise and everything else. Now, what I like about the Russo brothers was they're able to actually share the pressure off of each other. Yeah. So, uh, rather than just one person. And I know for a fact that there has to be a lot of pressure on Patty. And that's going to be, that's a lot to actually go through. So I can actually understand her wanting to take a step back as well. Yeah. Like you mentioned, too, that she is a smart woman. I love the movie Monster. I think she did a phenomenal job directing that film. And I loved how she empowered and introduced us to Wonder Woman for the very first time. We actually know the world that she lived in. Yeah. We actually understand who Diana is. Yeah. This is our first time actually embracing who I, Diana is. And not only that, but I also did a movie review at Wonder Meg, and she actually did Justice Con just recently and everything. So oh, it's awesome. It's, it's very awesome because because of Patty Jenkins, she's empowering other, other women to go ahead and go out there and put themselves out there. And I just love that. I love the fact that Wonder Meg and her team of women are actually, that went out there full throttle and did Justice Con over Twitter. And it was a success. And they even got Zack Snyder on the show. They've got uh, the actor who plays Cyborg on the show. It was just great. That's awesome. And speaking of Zack Snyder, I'm so overwhelmingly excited for the uh, his Snyder cut of Justice League on HBO Max. Same here as well, man. I mean, I'm excited. Whenever I saw all that stuff that was cut out of him, uh, cut out and everything, I'm like, Come on, this is the Justice League movie that we've been waiting for. Yeah. I don't care if it's three hours long. I'll be shoving popcorn in my face for three hours. Yeah. Show yeah. us the Sandra cut. I felt the same way. Uh, even that ultimate cut or edition or whatever they called it, uh, the three hour one that came out in theaters after the first one, that was even so much. That little extra 30 minutes was, or 15, 20 minutes was made it that much better. I can only imagine what. Um, I'm, I'm talking about Batman versus Superman. Um, uh, okay, but, but with this, I can only imagine his cut. What would what he would release that would make it that much better? You know what I mean? Same, because and, I love the Batman versus Superman uh, extended cut over the theatrical cut. Yeah, 100%. and it added something to it. Yeah, I can only imagine now with a whole entirely different movie than what Joss Whedon came in and did. I just, I just, I, I will get HBO Max just for that movie. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I actually have HBO Max, but I got it for free because I actually have HBO. So if you have like HBO on DirecTV, you get it for free. Oh, that's awesome. I have Spectrum so, and I have HBO, so I got to see if I get it for free. I don't know. Hmm. I have to look into that. Maybe. All right. Hmm. Uh, another thing that I want to talk about is I am a horror fan. Okay. And, I'll, and here's the thing. I didn't care for the fourth screen movie at all. Mm-hmm. 
But what do you think of them doing a Scream 5? It's going to have David Arquette back in it, Courtney Cox, Nave Campbell. I don't know. Uh, I think they... Oh, man. That's a tough one. Once we get into, once we get into like movies 4 and 5, that's when it gets a little tricky and you're like, I don't think maybe this should be done. <laughs> you know? Right. And uh, with the Scream movies, it was like... First one was great. Second one was great. The third one, I was like, okay, I can watch it. You know, might maybe be starting to get there. And then obviously the fourth one, and then now five. Like I think we're at the point where it's like, okay, I think we can just kind of, you know, put this one to rest. So um, even though they're back, it'll be cool to see them all back, and they won't, and they can, you know, get back into the nostalgia factor the nostalgia factor and the relationship those characters had and how they were approaching those characters and bring all those feelings and emotions back you know so it could still feel like the original movies but i just don't know man i just think that after a while it's very rare for a movie franchise to go four or five or six movies in and still be watchable or still be you know relevant or good you know um and Most I, definitely. I don't i don't know if this will because this one's also been parodied as well with the scary movie movies, you know? So right. it's just like, and, and even those, there was like four of those. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. The jury's still out on that one. I'm not really sure. Right. And you see, I'm the same way as well with the nostalgia factor. I would go see it just with the nostalgia factor. But if there's some growth, if there's some character growth on how Cindy actually progressed during these years of, you know what I'm saying? Of, so, of it being so long ago so long since Scream and they actually acknowledge the fact that it's been so long since yeah. she actually killed the very first uh, killer from Scream or maybe yeah. the second movie or whatever, third. Mm-hmm. If they acknowledge that fact and put that into this film that has been so many years and now all of a sudden there's somebody out there that wants her I'm, I'm sold on that part. Oh, I get it. Yeah, for sure. It's like they advance the stories of, of, uh, of uh, Dewey and uh, Gail, you know. What was his name? Right. What was, what was David Arquette's <laughs> character's name? Uh, Dewey was actually the spoof off of Scary yes. Movie, but... Totally Scary Movie. <laughs> Whatever his character's name is, him and I want to say Courtney Cox's character's name was Gail. Yep, I, Gail. Fantastic. One out of two is not bad. Um, if they furthered their relationship and saw what happened there, did they go to, did they split up, you know, did they get together, did they get married, did they have kids... The growth of the characters and them not trying to act like they would back then, but actually act like they would at this stage in their life, that might make it interesting to watch. But I just don't know. Like, it's like, how many more people can Nev Campbell's character kill? Because she killed the guy, then she killed right. the other guy, then she killed his mom, then she killed. I'm like, I. I Pretty like, much by now. She should have killed off his whole family. Exactly. It's like they're pulling for straws now. Like, who, who's left for her to kill? You know what I mean? Her so cousin. The cousin. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. Like, we, like in, in this situation, might want to pump the brakes on a five. Unless you got some, like, revolutionary script or something where you're going to take, take the idea and flip it on his head or something. But I don't know, man. Jury's out on that right. one. I just don't know. But yeah, David Arquette did play Deputy Dewey. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I so, I enjoyed the first two. They were great. Me too. 
that's my first the my first the two first two films are my go to. The third one, I'm like, eh, I can watch it if some if something else isn't on as background noise. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very eh. After two, you're like, yeah, okay, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah, once you start to think that and start to have that reaction, you're like, okay, maybe maybe it's now's not the time to do another movie. Just throwing that out, right? There. Yeah. All right, so the last topic, I have another little sweaty. <laughs> Public news session. Sweaty. Yes, sweaty. (laughs) And that is Shang-Chi. The the production is actually going to be getting ready to resume soon. Yeah, totally. And I was just looking into that, actually, with... um, I was actually looking into that, and I was like, hold up. Are they getting back into production soon? And yeah, damn sure enough, you're right. They're about to start up um, down in Australia. uh, I want to say in the coming weeks. Um, or like coming week probably, but I'm very right. I'm very excited. I love how Marvel is trying to open the doors on like diversity and mm-hmm. inclusivity in their movies. You know, um, same to kind of kind of backtrack a little to the Patty Jenkins thing. I would hope that her success would also be a female director. Like I just like right. like I feel like people need to be in position to tell the story of that type of person. Like, like Black Panther. It's going to be kind of hard for a white guy who's directing to relate an experience to his predominantly black cast. You know what I mean? That's true. That's or, very true. Or like, you know, Patty J- or like a male director to relate experiences of life to a, 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 the mascara in a land full of Amazons and women. Like, it's, there's just like not a, there's a disconnect there. That's not saying they can. I'm not saying they can. I just think that it's kind of like, be hard. It'll be hard. It's kind of like the voiceover controversy. It's like it should be open doors to anybody being able to voice a character. You know what I mean? Um, right. But if you have like a, a a character of a certain you know race or whatever, um, their experiences would be easily relatable by someone of that race or that type of whatever right. they have going on. So, oh, for sure. I like how Marvel's kind of on the front lines of that with their movies. You know, Black Panther. They had a black. They had a black director. They had a female uh, member of the LGBTQ community as their uh, cinematographer. You know, predominantly black cast. They gave the full treatment of all the other Marvel movies that they did. That predominantly white cast. You know, Black Widow's coming out. Female lead. Female director. You know what I mean? The Eternals movie. It's about time that they got their shine, though. It's about time female directors got their shine. Oh, 100%. They're so great. Uh, Female director for uh, Eternals. She's also Asian. You know, uh, a couple of the the web series that they're doing for Marvel, female directors, you know what I mean? And with Shang-Chi, you know, predominantly Asian cast. They got got an Asian descent director, you know, Daniel Destin Cretton. And uh, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see what they do. And uh, again, I'm I'm a sucker for Marvel movies. I'll just go see them anytime they come out. Like I just love them. And uh, so I'm excited they're getting back into production for that because I remember they were one of the movies that were shut down that were in in production that were being shut down. And um, I think in the interim until L.A. and Holly and SAG and and all the guidelines and protocols and all that stuff gets finalized, I feel like. Uh, Shang-Chi and like a lot of these other productions are going to be kind of taken to other countries to shoot because obviously the numbers are not as crazy in other countries as they are here. 
and a lot of them are all back up and running and have guy rounds that have been locked in place where they can shoot, like Australia, London, Vancouver, you know, things like that. So it's very exciting to see. I just wish that, you know, we can get our, you know, shit together here and kind of finalize protocols so that we can get stuff back up and running here. But because the numbers are so crazy, we'll probably be one of the last people to get it up and running, you know. Like, even New York is starting to open up productions, but as far as here in Los Angeles with how crazy the numbers are, it's going to probably, and how they can't finalize anything yet, it's just, it's right. going to, it's going to probably be a minute. For sure. And I also want to say this, too, I mean, being from a white perspective, white person's perspective and everything, what you were mentioning with Black Panther, it would definitely be hard for someone like me or whatever to actually gravitate towards a movie like Black Panther because we wouldn't be able to actually understand the culture or anything like that to actually gravitate yeah. towards that. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely see your point with that. I definitely do. Yeah. And I love diversity. I love what Marvel, Netflix is doing everything, too, with diversity. And it's about time. It's about time yeah. that we stop living in this little cubicle and everything and whitewashing every single thing that we actually see. 100%. And with and with, and with Shang Chi, it's it's great. They have mm-hmm. the cast they've announced so far is all Asian, Asian director. It. It's it's going to be great. It's going to be great. It's, definitely, I love kung fu. I love karate. I want to know more about Shang Chi. Yeah. and everything. As a matter of fact, I love the fact that they're doing low profile characters rather than something that we already know. Yeah. So that makes I, me geek out even more. <laughs> I love how they're doing the Mandarin. They're probably going to do the Mandarin right, actually, for the first yes. time. With the actual rings and not what they did with the Mandarin in Iron Man three, which was like really, but, uh, right? Um, but even that made me mad. Yeah, and it's <laughs> like, like that. But, made... but like that's a great scenario. Of even with that, they're like, okay, we see what we did here. We're gonna do it right this time. Do it like legitimate and genuine, you know. So I'm excited for that. I'm very excited for the me movie. Too. I'm excited for Black Widow. I'm excited for Eternals and all these movies coming out. Like it's just, it's gonna be great. Marvel, uh, Marvel, they're they're doing their thing. They're, I hope the one day get involved in something that they do. So, but yeah, it's just, it's I can't wait to see it. Same here. And one more thing before we actually sign off, though, too, with the Patty Jenkins thing, I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see her as a producer to help. Uh, the new director along the way where she can have her thumbprints on a little bit. Yeah. She might not be on the set, but maybe the female director would actually say, you know what, Patty, what would would Diane do in this situation? How can I actually carry through with this? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like the equivalent of like a TV show where there's a guy who's or a, a, a lady who's heavily involved in the show, but they take a break from the show as far as like their um, hands-on duties, you know what I mean? But they still mm-hmm. kind of adding their little flavor, their little sprinkle from like a overseer aspect. So I think that's what she would do with that because I feel like it's very much her baby and uh, I feel like she doesn't want to make she wants to make sure that the vision that she had in mind or the journey that she hopes that Diana would take happens, you know, even without her being right. there. So I definitely, definitely agree with you that she would still have her her hands in the mix a little bit as far as like the direction or progression things may go. Definitely. Well, man, this is it for the show and everything. I do want to say thank you for being on. And where can everybody follow you? Oh yeah, you can follow me on Facebook. Oh sorry. Uh, well, yes, Facebook, but Instagram at the Sean Burger. 
Um, or you can follow me on Facebook uh, at, you know, Sean Alexander James. And, uh, yeah, just keep an eye out for me. Um, hopefully I have some stuff coming up in the near future, maybe make some announcements on some stuff I might be working on once, the, uh, once L.A. opens back up with the industry. And, uh, yeah, man, this is great. I appreciate you having me, thinking about uh, having me on, and uh, appreciate oh, the invite. And this is great. It was absolutely my pleasure to be here. Anytime, man. And you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime you want. If you're bored during this quarantine and everything, go on ahead. Send me a message. I'll have you back on again. I think I might have to take you up on that, my friend. All right. Think of this as your psychology. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. All right. So this is going to be my last thing I need to say. Everyone, you can go on here and follow me on all social medias at John D. Gregorio or at Movie Lovers at TV Lovers Unite on Instagram. You can also follow me on Twitter at John D. Gregorio and also at Movie uh, Movie Lovers Unite on Twitter. And then you can, of course, listen to this podcast wherever you wherever you actually get your podcast from. And also, to I actually have a little thing called Buy Me a Coffee. You guys can actually buy me a coffee. It's actually called buymeacoffee.com. And what it does is you can donate maybe five, maybe ten bucks towards the show, whatever it is, just to keep the lights on, to get me some new equipment or whatever. You guys feel free to go on ahead and do so. You don't have to, but it'll be, gen- it'll be really great if you could. But I understand during this pandemic if you can't. And also, too... I also have my, actually have my YouTube channel up and running now, so go on ahead, check that out at Movie Loves Tonight. And always, until next time, bye-bye.